You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. Are you ready for your latest blast of the past into the 80s with 80s Revisited? I hope you are, because I am, and we're talking about my picks for my favorite films of what many people consider the greatest year of cinema for the 80s. We'll find out coming up, but a few notable things about 1980. It was the year that of celebrity weddings, high-profile celebrity weddings. 86, sorry. There we go. Thanks, Jesse. Got to have one every episode, at least. <laughs> Might as well get it out of the way in the intro. But in terms of celebrity weddings, Arnold Schwarzenegger on April 26th married Maria Shriver. That one's over. Uh, on In May, Heather Locklear ooh, married Tommy Lee. That one's over. Yeah. And uh, Morgan Mason, I don't know who the hell that is, but he married the lovely Belinda Carlisle. And I'm pretty sure that one's probably over, too, but I don't know. Still married. Oh, wow. But anyway, more fun stuff from 1986, including the best, according to Trey, coming up right now on 80s Revisited. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Welcome back, everybody, to 80s Revisited. I, of course, am your host, Trey Harris, and my co-pilot here as we journey through the films of 1986, producer extraordinaire, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And for the sixth, seventh time now, I guess, because 80 is zero. Mm. (laughs) Who's counting? Yeah. Uh, We're going through what I consider, I say my top ten films of 86, but I'm talking about not my picks for the best, but these are the films... My more like a favorite type thing, just sure. so because believe me, there's there's at least one film on here that would not be in any top best film of 1986 in terms of quality, right? Just so so, so everybody out there like I can't believe why wow, you're totally discredited, Trey, because you think blah 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 is one of the best films of 86. <laughs> it is to me, sure. This isn't the best pictures, best picture uh, of 1986, which of course we'll cover anyway at the end and go over that. However, I think this is the first time that the best picture. Academy Award winner is actually on my top 10 films. Whoa. So maybe a first. I was looking at that earlier. I don't know what it could be. We'll see. Let's find out together. Right now, number 10. We're going to take the highway to the danger zone on May 16th, 1986. Playing on our cockpit cassette player at that time, I guess, <laughs> would be what, Jesse? You would be listening to Sarah by Starship. Don't even know it. I don't have a clue about that. By the way, for people who've listened to this before, we usually play the music live and we can actually hear this. Uh, We're in a transition period here at the Awesome Podcast Network, and we are not listening to it live, but you are hearing it right now. So, yeah, I can't say for sure if I've heard it or not right now. Let's sing along to it. Sarah, Sarah. (laughs) But, yeah, Top Gun, number 10. And I must say, uh, let me explain something. When I was going through, I just told you this, Jesse, sorry to repeat myself, but now it's for everybody. Uh, anyway, whenever I look at, for the top films of the year, I, go, I just go to Wikipedia to get the list. I go to, for example, 1986 in film. It gives you every film right there according to release date. Mm-hmm. And I'm going through it on like January, May, February, March. Okay, there's a good one. And then go, and then not until May 16th, 1986 in film in terms of like when you want to talk about the quality and the quantity of films that come out in 86 <laughs> it starts on May 16th well I made my first mistake because I read that as March I was looking at a different one um, <laughs> <laughs> so May 16th you actually would have been listening to West End Girls by the Pet Shop Boys which I do know that one how's it go West End Girls da dun da dun 
I don't, don't hear it. Oh. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't ring go. I know the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. I don't re- recognize that song. The name song. It's probably one of those you hear it. Oh, okay, that song. I never knew what it was. But y'all listening to it, so I hope you enjoy the sounds of the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. But anyway, May 16th, like I said, I would say pretty much every film on my list is comes after May 16th except the next one which we'll get into in just a second but also 99% of the honorable mentions also all starting in the summer all the way to the end of 1986 so the as you I think we'll all come to the same conclusion the glory and the reverence that 1986 gets that's only half a year seven months roughly of films and as we'll as, let's keep it moving as we'll go through them you'll see that too but yeah Top Gun number 10 for me my 10 favorite film of 1986 number 9 you'd be fighting your way to the theater on March 7th 1986 katana in hand or maybe a gigantic broadsword depending on your flavor to watch Christopher Lambert fight Clancy Brown in Highlander the original classic before the TV show and the numerous sequels listening to listening to Kyrie by Mr. Mister that's another blank for me me too great year in film but maybe not the best in music we'll Let, see let's sing it Kyrie, Kyrie. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna line it up with the actual music. <laughs> That'll be interesting. <laughs> don't spend too much. Don't waste too much time on that, Jesse. <laughs> Your time is very valuable. Uh, number eight. Now, this is the one that was not going to be on any like critical best of list. Like, if I had to make two, I've talked about this before. This is my favorite film. These are the films I'm going to pick to watch. If I had to pick ten films to watch in 1986 in a row, these are the ten I would pick. Mm. That's for today. This is these are not the ten best. Like, there are many better films than the three, the two I've already mentioned. Like, just again, don't get mad. This is for fun. Everybody wants to hear people's top ten list. Yeah. Play along at home and send yours to AsiaVisitedGmail.com. But uh, number eight, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, Jason Lives, August first, oh. 1986, the best Friday the Thirteenth film. I believe many years ago when we did uh, for Halloween the Friday the 13th films at that time I believe I had said 7 was my personal favorite at that point but I don't remember I don't I didn't go back and I recently watched all of them because of playing the game every day and all that and had sort of a Jason renaissance and then really for the first time I watched them all like okay mhm okay that this one did like paid attention to the nuances of the films and came up with a ranking in my mind for myself. And part six, Jason Lives, is the best Friday the 13th film. Uh-huh. And Well, you've been listening to Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. One of the greatest music videos ever made, <laughs> bar none. That's the first song I know. I can see Jason just bobbing his head to it. Yeah. <laughs> if only he'd use the sledgehammer. <laughs> I don't think he'd ever use a sledgehammer. No, that's Although next. There, there would be some in a camp situation. Sure. But, you know, it... I mean, Jason's strong, but I mean, it is a little more heavier than a machete. It's unwieldy. But if he used it like it was weightless. Yeah, it would, for him it would be. I could tear so some people up. <laughs> go through a couple of people. Yeah. Then, of course, we could Photoshop him like Milner or something. and <laughs> That's the word jokes. But anyway, Friday 13th, part six, Jason Lives, number eight. And if you haven't seen that one in a while, of course, it's not Halloween anymore, but that's the one to watch if you're going to watch one. Uh, number seven, moving on up. To the week after you saw Jason Lives in the theater, mm-hmm. was Sledgehammer still blaring at the number one spot at the charts, or did mm-hmm. it get dethroned? No, it wasn't. This one came from a little movie called The Karate Kid Part 2, Glory of Love, by Peter Cetera. I don't remember that song from that movie at all. 
<laughs> well, playing right now. Get your ear. Faintly. Faintly. <laughs> In the future. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, you would be going to see a film that would have that at least. I know the songs from it, and all of them are better than this song I don't remember from Karate Kid 2, Transformers the Movie. Because you got the touch! Mm-hmm. The great Stan Bush rocking the soundtrack for Transformers the Movie. Uh, and, of course, the Weird Al song, too. Not my favorite, Dare to be Stupid, but nevertheless, Weird Al's on there. So, number seven, an animated film takes the seventh spot. And a sad spot as well, as Optimus Prime met his fate. Although, of course, as we talked about when we covered that on the podcast, of course, he came back. Just like right. Jason Voorhees. And also covered in the Goldbergs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That episode the we one talked about last week. Watch. Yeah. Uh, number six on a week later, August 15th. You're getting to see in a pattern here. Movies were coming out back to back to back. You mm-hmm. could go to the movies every week starting in May in 1986, and you would see what I would consider a must-see film. The for the most blockbusters. Part. Yeah. Uh, number six, the David Cronenberg classic, The Fly. And what would a fly on the wall be listening to on August 6th, 15th, Jesse? Well, possibly still Gloria Love, but just the day after that, what hit number one? Madonna with Papa Don't Preach. Mm, early Madonna, too. One of her first big hits, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's, music quality is getting better as the year's winding down, too. At least that corresponds to the movies. But, yeah, Cronenberg's classic, The Fly. A remake. One of the greatest remakes ever made. Watched it this year for Halloween. Still gives me the heebie-jeebies in some parts and mm-hmm. is right up there with the thing in terms of special effects. If, I mean, you could even argue the two if you wanted to, but both are just still fantastic. And Goldblum, before he, before you know, he's the funny character and and, uh, and everything now, yeah. uh, in a very serious, very very serious role. But what a perfect actor choice for that film. And of course, we covered it on actually all of these except Friday the Thirteenth uh, Part Six, I believe, have been covered on the podcast so far. And actually. That's the only film in the top eight that we haven't covered. So if you want to hear more about my opinions on any of these movies, we have the episodes ready to go. Yeah. Uh, number five, the top five, and a critical darling. The winner, also the winner of Best Picture for the 1986, releasing December 19th. You'd be flying on a Huey through the fields of Vietnam with Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, and Willem Dafoe. Well, depending on what part of the movie. Spoiler alert. Uh, of course... The Oliver Stone classic, Platoon, uh, often overshadowed shadowed these days by Full Metal Jacket because of the humorous first part and the bleak second part, which is more in tone with uh, Platoon. But nevertheless, Platoon was probably the first, not in 1986, I mean, uh, yeah, 86 when it came out for me, but that was the first war film that as I started getting involved in movies and exploring the Vietnam War through film and everything, became probably still my favorite war movie. Mm. It just, because, again, we talk about the podcast, it's about the tagline for the film, the first casualty of war is innocence. And that goes, that's not just Vietnam, that's any war that's today in America. (laughs) With the wars that were, the things that are going on today. Uh, And Oliver Stone, despite the fact that people are accusing him of stuff, you still made some fantastic movies. Uh, just uh, keep your mouth shut around people involving <laughs> propositioning stuff. Well, right now people are listening to The Way It Is by Bruce Hornsby. That sounds very familiar, but I can't place the song. Doodaloo, doodaloo, doodaloo. That's just the way it Oh, yeah, because Tupac sampled it, yeah. Yes, exactly. For uh, Changes. Changes. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, God, I know it's familiar. <laughs> and I was—I I think I was thinking about some Tupac lyrics at the time. And they're like, "That's what was called." Still, the see confusion. no changes. 
Well, I'll see you. Uh, no. Wake up in the morning and ask, ask myself. myself. Black living shit up last Too myself. soon? Yeah. <laughs> we are two days without a shooting and... Well, at least a day of oh. recording this. Two days without a shooting... Uh, uh, mass shooting in America. Good job, America. Keep it up. <laughs> let's, let's get the double digits this time. Sorry. Off my soapbox. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> from last, last Political week. stuff. Yeah. It's, it rarely comes out, but we keep it brief. Uh, so Platoon, December 19th, again, will go on to win the best picture of the year as well. And the first, I believe, for my countdowns. Uh, but nevertheless, it is my favorite war movie, I think I can say, without giving too much thought to it. Uh, holds up and, you know, pre-crazy Charlie Sheen. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, according <laughs> with the news, maybe uh, he's going to join Oliver Stone in the hot water, depending on how that's taken, the news that about him and Corey Haim. But we'll, whatever. That's, we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> Moving on up, uh, from the bleakness of the jungles of Vietnam to my number four favorite uh, pick for uh, 1986, to the deserts of Mexico and a little village of Santa Poco. On December, the week before Platoon, December 12th. <laughs> Maybe I should just put them in order when they release and that would have worked out uh, a little bit. But uh, of course, we would we'll be watching Lucky Day, Dusty Bottoms and Ned Nederlander fight off the villainous El Guapo. Yes. In The Three Amigos, one of the funniest films and still funniest films, not just of the 80s, but of all time. Uh, that would be my top 50. Going back to the last episode. Like, wow. I could, because that is, I could watch The Three Amigos at any time and I will laugh. Wow. I've seen it at least, like, honestly, not that people, I've seen Star Wars a hundred times. I haven't seen Star Wars a hundred times. I've seen it, honestly, if I had to give a real guess, you know, 40 maybe, mm-hmm. in terms of my life. Yeah, you know, which is you know, but uh, I can honestly, I've probably seen the Three Amigos at least fifteen to twenty times, wow. start to finish, laugh every single time, <laughs> absolutely underrated. I and uh, again, you have it's the Expendables of comedy in the eighties for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, and still wishing they would just do a sequel while they're still around, even if they're, they're old. I don't care that they're old. That's gonna be the funny. That that's the comedy too. That they're old. Odd man out is Chevy. Yeah, he's, he's real. Kind of a dick. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, From what but I've I mean, heard. Steve Martin looks the same. Yeah, Martin Short, uh, a few more wrinkles, but I mean, Chevy Chase is, A, like you said, is. That's the word on the street. I don't yeah. know the guy. Never met the guy. I don't know him. But uh, would love for the three amigos to ride again. Even if they have yeah. to pass it off to the young, like, they're, you know, it's modern day, or, you know, I guess it would take place in the 70s or 80s because the original was like the 30s, I think, because it was silent films when they were in. Uh, but, you know, then it's like, get some modern young actors, good ones, that like, oh, they're, re- they're, re- they're rebooting the Three Amigos. This can't happen. <laughs> and then, you know, but then they all get caught up in a real event or who knows, you know. Yeah. There, there, I, I know there is a, I'm not a screenwriter, but I know there's a good story there with that, those talent, the talent that could be pulled for that film. But it's never going to happen. If, if I had the lamp from Aladdin, that'd be one of my wishes. Genie, I want the three amigos right again. <laughs> All right, Al, we're coming right up. Oh, and Robin Williams to be alive to be in it too as, a, as the villain. There you go. Done. Boom. <laughs> Movie right there. Could be World <laughs> War II. Robin Williams could be Hitler. Yeah. They think they're doing a movie like about it, like, ha <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Like they're trying to outperform the young guys, but the Nazis are there. I mean, yeah. It's got everything you need for a comedy. Well, they just, uh, I just watched a trailer for a movie called Game Night. Uh, it kind of has a similar introduction 
on a much smaller scale, I'd say. They're all here having a game night, like a murder board mystery game? game night. Okay. Yeah, oh. like a, a yeah a board game night, basically. And the host of the party says, this is going to be unlike any other game night we've ever had. Things are going to seem so real. One of us is going to go missing, and you got to find out... Um, you know, who took them and everything like that. Just as he's explaining, two dudes bust down the door, take them, tie them up. He's like, this isn't part of the game. And they're all just sitting there watching like, wow, this looks so real. Okay. Let's <laughs> <put> them- <laughs> and then they carry them out and they're like, I guess the game's begun. <laughs> and then the movie takes on from there. Great. Perfect. Yeah. For, for, for that genre, like, yeah. that's, you just need a simple setup. And if, you have, if the jokes are there... Yeah, it'll be worth That's it. the thing. Yeah. yeah, you gotta you gotta support it along the way. Which is why the Three Amigos works. And also, it's honestly we've had a sequel technically, Tropic Thunder. Yes, you know. Yes. So that formula works when you have good actors in place, mm-hmm. and you know, just the if the jokes are there, I don't care, <laughs> and it works. I can watch Tropic Thunder right now, and I will laugh. Yes, I can watch Three Amigos, and I will laugh. It will make my turn my frown upside down. Either one of them. The thing that won't make you laugh is this song that's playing right now. is called "The Next Time I Fall." Peter Cetera with Amy Grant. I don't, I don't know it, but you're hearing it right now, and I'm sure you're not laughing because of it. Yeah, I know Amy Grant because every heartbeat belongs to you, and that's oh, she married Vince Gill. She went on Christian now, like she's yeah, a Christian artist. But yeah, she did a. She was pretty hot back in the day too. I remember like oh, she's cute. Yeah. From her music videos, like we talked about last time, when she was like, "No, my body's for Jesus," <laughs> and Vince Gill, <laughs> and Vince Gill. <laughs> but anyway, top three time of 1986, and these are all three. Some of the videos are three. I mean, three amigos as well. Uh, but to top top four are definitely four of my absolute favorite films. Can't live without. Watch at least once a year, usually. Number three, June 27th. 1986, you'd be trying to navigate a maze with your Muppet friends listening to... On My Own by Patti LaBelle. (laughs) I would much rather listen to any sound from the soundtrack to Labyrinth because (laughs) most of the songs are done by David Bowie, the late great. Rest in peace. Still miss you every damn day, even though I never knew you. Let's stop this On My Own and switch to this David Bowie song. Yes, any song from Labyrinth is great, and that's a film. As, as we talked about on the podcast, uh, that's a film that this generation that didn't grow up with it, I feel, because of parents growing up with it, this is a film that still has big legs today, because it holds up first of all, and it's still good. And they don't make films like this anymore with the the Muppets, and I mean they made the Muppet movies, obviously, but. That was just fairly recently, but this turn, this area of artistry and what I was talking about last week, you know, just creativity, you know, few and few, very few and far between as far as I'm concerned this day and age. But nevertheless, Labyrinth, still a classic. Watch it all the time. My, I have a playlist on my, the playlist I listen to daily evolves, obviously, when I, excuse me, add stuff to it, but a staple of it on it is Magic Dance. So I hear this almost at least once a week as my playlist cycles in my um, car. Somewhere on YouTube is a video of you singing at karaoke. <laughs> While you're just like Wolverine. Oh. <laughs> God, that, was long, that was a long time ago. Jeez. I believe it's on Daniel's YouTube page. Oh, that's funny. I have to go look that up. Uh, all right, top two time. Now, I know some true 80s people are like, okay, I know there's 
I know there's one film that would have to be on Trey's 1986 list because he really, really likes it. But then there's another one that he hasn't mentioned yet that for sure has to be the number one. And you may be right. I have no clue what you're thinking because I'm not Professor X. I would much rather be much like the main character or sidekick, if you will, in the July 2nd release of the very first episode of the podcast, Big Trouble in Little China. Mm. My per- one of my personal heroes, standing next to Ernest P. Worrell and Indiana Jones, Jack Burton. Mm. But in the big rig, in the Pork Chop Express, old Jack would be listening to... He'll be also be listening to On My Own by Patty <laughs> And he'll LaBelle. quickly change the channel and grab his CB radio <laughs> and talk about a whole bunch of Jack Burton stuff <laughs> while he's driving the Pork Chop Express across this great nation of ours. But yeah, what's more to say? Big Trouble in Little Fucking China. Right. One of the greatest movies ever made as far as I'm concerned. Not according to Daniel. Who yeah, we just fuck mentioned. that guy. That's why he's not here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, listen to episode one of yeah. 80s Revisited. and uh, How far know. we've come. Yes. But nevertheless, uh, of co- and we've talked about this previously on the podcast, who there's still, every now and then you hear a little blurb that like, oh, they're redoing Big Trouble in Little China with The Rock, which and people say, what do you think about that, Trey? Well, A, it's The Rock. I will watch it. B, if he is the sidekick again and the inept hero, perfect. It's there. Don't make him the badass. Right. This is a chance for The Rock to shine and I mean, he he shines in a lot of things because he's. I think Rock has transcended uh, the the stigma of being a wrestler, like old Thunderlips and Rocky Three. But uh, they just you got you need to have a strong character like you know. Uh, get uh, I forget his name. Ben would know his name. The uh, guy from Magnificent Seven. Uh, I think he was in I Saw the Devil, Korean film. Uh, been in a lot of uh, recent movies. He was Storm Shadow in GI Joe, I believe. Uh, Bai, I don't want to offend him by saying it, I'm trying to pronounce his name. Young Han Lee. That's it. Like he could be, he could be the Wayne character uh, to the Rock's Jack Burton. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, throw Kurt Russell in there as a, one of the lawyers or something like that. You know, and you need to, the the key to a remake to Big Trouble in China is what made the first one work. Is that I think a lot of people don't like it. It's like we talked about before. Is because oh, he's he's a stupid. He's not the main, he's not the hero. Right. He is, he's, he's in, if you thought Thor Ragnarok was hilarious because Thor keeps doing all this shit by accident, some, not the whole movie, he kicks ass in the beginning and the, you know, when it needs it. But you know, all that inept humor and all that, that a lot of people are raving about in Thor Ragnarok, it's right here in Big Trouble Little China, except Jack Burton is not heroic. Hmm. Or, you know, he, he's, it's that bravado over skill, more bravado than skill, which that was a big component of the rock before he had in wrestling until he had his championship. You know, it was like, I'm going to come out there stone cold and kick your ass. And his charisma, his bravado won him over, which then led to him growing in the wrestling ranks. And then obviously because of his natural charisma, transcending uh, sports entertainment uh, to become, you know, a huge draw at the box office. Yep. This film, this remake, I'm behind 100% if they do it right with the spirit of the original. It would work. And you, again, you got the good script that The Rock can, with improvisation and all that, and good director, and it would work. It would be, it would be great. It would be a, done well. It would be a great homage in the spirit of the original. And you better get John Carpenter to score it. <laughs> uh, so there's one left. And what is Trey's favorite film? If I had to pick one film from 1986 to say, which, which one is, would you say, if you, 
No one's seen any movie from 1986. What's the one film Trey thinks they should see? Well, it came out about two weeks after Big Trouble in Little China on July 18th, 1986. And it was probably, just trying to rack my brain, one of, if not quite possibly, the greatest sequel ever made, James Cameron's Aliens. Oh. But riding on the dropship on the express elevator to hell, as Bill Paxton would say, they'd be listening to... They would be listening to... If it took place in 1986, on Earth. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, They would be listening to Holding Back the Years by Simply Red. I don't even know what that is. Me either. What a shit year for music. Yeah. (laughs) At least least when these films came out. I know there's some good music that came out in 86. I'm just saying, to correspond with these release dates... But yeah, what's yeah, when the, you said great sequel, I thought you were going to say The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Oh, I thought about it. It was a hard debate. I was real. And speaking of sequels, more on that at the end of the episode, but also honorable mentions. I'll be, you'll see a couple of those pop up too. Uh, but yeah, what's there to say? It's fucking aliens. Yeah. And what we talked about last week about, you know, bad I think aliens. We did a whole podcast about it. Yeah. Long time ago. Not, actually, that was one of our early ones too, but that was. Uh, um, it was pretty early, I want to say. Maybe it was uh, episode 11. Oh, well, just missed it by two. Mm. But, uh, yeah, what's there to say? Go listen to the episode on it. It's fucking Aliens. If you ha- Do you disagree? <laughs> what movie is better than Aliens that came out in 86? Let us know. AsiaVisited.gmail.com. Tweet at AsiaVisited. Gmail, uh, at Asia, just a, at AsiaVisited, because that's a tweet, not an email address. Yeah. 80S Revisited. But, yeah, you know, so before we get into discussing the year as a whole, honorable mentions. A lot of these we've covered, a lot of them we haven't. And one of them, I'm sure, is not on many people's honorable mention list, but it's a guilty pleasure. Uh, Delta Force, Money Pit, Critters, The Hitchers, Short Circuit, Invaders from Mars, Space Camp, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Karate Kid 2, Great Mouse Detective, Maximum Overdrive, Flight of the Navigator, Howard the Duck, that's the one I was talking about, One Crazy Summer, Stand By Me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, David Lynch's Blue Velvet, Crocodile Dundee, Deadly Friend by Wes Craven, An American Tale, Star Trek 4, The Mission with uh, Jeremy Irons and... Uh, and De Niro. Uh, Rad, one of my brother's favorite films, and Daniel Tosh's as well. And uh, <laughs> I'd be remiss without uh, mentioning uh, Little Shop of Horrors with mm. Rick Moranis and one of the three amigos themselves, Steve Martin. So yeah, as you can see, uh, most of... I was shocked how 85, the quality of the films, you know, there weren't many. I had to, de- had to really kind of debate the list. I had to do that here too, but obviously there were some clear ones at the top. But again, when you're looking at, if you look at a whole release date wise, 86, I was like me, what's the big deal? And then, like I said, once that F-14 takes off into the danger zone, taking our breath away, it's just week after week. There's films that here that, God, you know, are all of them good? No, but I mean, you know, like some of the bad ones, like obviously Howard the Duck considered one of the worst films ever made. Uh, Speaking of the Razzies, worst picture. Mm. Although it tied with Under the Cherry Moon, which I've never seen. Because, of course, when I look at these lists, I'm, I'm going by what's, uh, you know, what I've seen. I, I obviously never saw every, didn't see, didn't see every film that came out in 86, so yeah. But, I mean, come on, Flight of the Navigator, fantastic. One Crazy Summer covered on the podcast. Stand By Me, Blue Velvet. You know, amazing films came out in 86. Uh, I think it's a good mixture of quality and quantity. 85 had a lot of quality. Not very, you know, previous films, uh, years, excuse me, good quality, not much quantity, but 86 is just boom, 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 boom. 
you could throw a dartboard at a wall and you would most likely hit a pretty damn decent movie for 1986. Uh, worst film, in my opinion, again, I like Howard the Duck, sue me. I know a lot of people hate it, grew up with it, <laughs> loved it. Uh, but my pick would actually be, speaking of sequels, go either way. Uh, two sequels, I would say. I'll go, let's say it's a tie. They're both bad. Uh, the first would be Poltergeist to the other side, which uh, earlier in the year, over the summer, I went and watched both Poltergeist sequels because I couldn't remember. I just remember one took place in a, in a high rise, which is three. Three is way better than two, in my opinion. Two sucks. Bored to tears watching part two. Uh, and the other sequel would be King Kong Lives, where after King Kong is shot by gunships, plummets from the World Trade Center in the remake of King Kong with Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange, uh, plummets to the ground from the World Trade Center, uh, and they apparently, it's all, despite that, it was all a heart issue, so they put in a mechanical heart, and King Kong goes on another rampage. Not the, With a pacemaker. Yeah. Not the bullets or the fall the heart it's all it took so it's ridiculous uh i haven't seen it in a long time it'd be a good one to do for the podcast down the road uh but yeah now of course i know a lot of people like oh fucking rad texas chainsaw too that's not your worst film i can find some enjoyment in them uh but regardless i will i do not want to watch poltergeist 2 ever again i will never watch poltergeist 2 by my own free will ever again king kong lives i'll watch it for the podcast but I don't need to do an episode on Poltergeist 2 because it's that bad. It has a very low rating, which I will save for the episode. <laughs> King Kong? King Kong lives Is it that. lower than Poltergeist 2? Oh, boy. Just by comparison. But anyway, yeah. uh, the Academy... Government's going to know I looked up these movies. <laughs> uh, no, Poltergeist is significantly better. Wow. Didn't like it. I'd rather watch... I haven't seen King Kong Lives in a while, and I, like I said, I recently watched Poltergeist 2, but if I'd given a gun to my head, I'll watch King Kong Lives. More ridiculous. According to the IMB, IMDb scores, Poltergeist 2 is almost twice as good. It's probably just the name. Yeah. But, I mean, they tried Maybe. to make a King Kong franchise, which he's no Godzilla. Right. Godzilla's the king of the motherfucking monsters. Yep. Uh, anyway, Academy Awards, as I mentioned, Best Picture went to Platoon. It also took home Best Director, giving Oliver Stone his first directing Oscar. I think he only has one anyway. Uh, actor, however, would go to Paul Newman for The Color of Money, and actress Marley Matlin for Children of a Lesser God. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll, we don't normally mention other categories, but I did want to mention this, because two of them, because these are two of the most important categories for 80s movies. Uh, the first, Best Makeup, went to Chris Wallace and Steph, uh, Stephen Dupuis for The Fly. Uh, it beat Rob Botan for Legend, which, uh, that's a tough call. I'd have to flip a coin, to be honest. I mean... I, I, I think about, I, the fly had a lot more because you had the the de-evolution of Jeff Goldblum, multiple makeups, but don't let that detract from the majesty of darkness in uh, Tim Curry's makeup in Legend by Rob Botan, who would go on to do or previously did the thing. So uh, good, that would have been like the matchup of the night for me watching the Oscars that that year. And then best visual effects would go to Stan Winston. For aliens, because visual effects are not and makeup are two different categories. Uh, so all the animatronic aliens, the costumes, the uh, suits, and the visual effects that are in every frame of Jam- uh, James Cameron's Aliens, thanks to Stan Winston, got got a well deserved Oscar for that. As did The Fly that year as well. Razzies, as I mentioned, worst picture went to Howard the Duck and Under the Cherry Moon. Worst director and worst actor both went to Prince for 
Under the Cherry Moon. Mm. And Worst Actress, Madonna for Shanghai Surprise. <laughs> so oh, that boy. year was a shit year if you were a musician trying to cross over. Madonna and Prince, two fantastic musicians. Right. Didn't translate well <laughs> at all. Uh, the, the, uh, in terms of highest grossing, Top Gun would take the top spot with $176 million, followed by Crocodile Dundee, lost out by two, merely just $2 million, actually less than $2 million, about mil, uh, $1.8 separated Top Gun and Crocodile Dundee from being the, uh, from the number one spot, which is funny, too, because Crocodile Dundee would go on to have two sequels, I believe, and we're still just now waiting on a Top Gun sequel, which is finally moving. Uh, it's got some fire in its engines to where it might actually get made. Yes, Cruz and uh, I think Kilmer signed on. I'm not sure who else has, but that's that's all where they're at on that. Uh, Platoon, the Best Picture winner, would go on to make 138 million. Karate Kid Part Two, 115 million. Star Trek Four, 109. Number six, strangely enough, in the midst of all this, Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield, 91 million, <laughs> which was good enough to make more money than Aliens at 86 million. Wow, Jeez. people. Hey, what can I say? I'm not a big slimy alien. I'm Rodney Dangerfield. Rest in peace, but I mean, come on. Aliens. He's in alien college. He doesn't belong there. Uh, number eight, another comedy in, uh, with The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy, 79 million. Number nine, actually the, the last half, aside from Aliens, all comedies. Uh, Ruthless People at number nine with Danny DeVito and Bette Midler, uh, 71 million. And last but not least, at number 10 for the year, Ferris Bueller's Day Off with 70 million. What a different time. <laughs> yeah. Because now, no way a comedy would be in the top ten. Like, for the year. I don't think so. It's got to compete with Very rare. Yeah. Like, The Hangover might be one that might have made right, it. Right, right, yeah. Maybe not the sequels, I'm not sure. But I'm trying to think of the last comedy that was so big that, you know, it was a blockbuster. And that's the last one I could think of off the top of my head. Uh, Music-wise, for the Grammys Record of the Year, speaking of the music... I only recognize one uh, one song off of the album of the year, but record of the year would go to Russ uh, Tittleman and Steve Winwood for Higher Love, which everybody knows that song. <laughs> Show me your higher love. Oh. There you go. That's all you get from me on that. Uh, album of the year, however, would go to Paul Simon for Graceland, which had the hit single, speaking of Chevy Chase, You Can Be My Bodyguard. You can, <laughs> I forget how it, uh, you can call me out. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. I think it's more dun, dun. remembered for its music video with Chevy Chase and just that... The musical cue that's in a, in numerous movies that that we just badly imitated. Right. Uh, song of the year would go to Burt Bacharach and Carol Bayer Sager for "That's What Friends Are For," which was performed by Dionne Warwick, Elton John, Gladys Knight, and Stevie Wonder. Everybody's heard that song. And best new artist, soon to be forgotten, Bruce Hornsby and the Range. Hmm. I can't name a song that they sang. I might know a song if I heard it, but I cannot name it. Uh, strangely enough, the biggest singles of the year, however, different story from the, the the Grammys had. Number one, the biggest single, strangely enough, was Falco with Rock Me Amadeus. Well then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about Falco? Anyway, uh, number two, Madonna, <laughs> Papa Don't Preach, and Rock finally represented number three with Europe and the final countdown. So it... Some good music in '86, uh, and also in the terms in terms of the music industry, 1986 was the year that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opened, and the first inductees were notably the King of Rock and Roll, Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry, James Brown, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, one of my personal favorites, Fat, the recently deceased, unfortunately, uh, here in New Orleans, Fats Domino's, 
The Everly mm-hmm. Brothers, speaking of Starman, as that song was covered in the opening credits, uh, Buddy Holly, uh, which uh, is after doing the episode on the Bomba where I researched all that stuff. Go listen to that episode. That's one of my personal favorites because of the amount of research I did on it. Uh, one of my favorite artists as well. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Lu- Lewis <laughs> Little <laughs> Richard, and record producer Sam Phillips. So, a great year in terms of honoring the legacy of rock and roll with some of the still to this every one of those is a big name that I can name multiple songs from and except Jerry Lee Lewis Great Balls of Fire that's all I can think of by him so yeah that's it yeah (laughs) but hey he's a Louisianian so him and Fats two Louisianians in that in the inaugural class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and we did get a Facebook message I'll turn us over to Jesse to read that because I can't pull it up on my phone without my well the Facebook messenger page ah well this is from uh, Mike Borchers he says Great job on 80s Revisited. I work at night, so I'm power power loading your episodes. You had me hooked on Big Trouble in Little China. Fuck you, Daniel! (laughs) That's episode one. Yeah. There you go. So we start from the beginning. I just finished Jedi. One small issue, Empire's not loading. I'll look into that. Uh, I feel sorry for your partner in crime, but it worked. I'm reading it word for word. I did not rewrite your thing, so... Sorry for any errors. But anyway, he has little knowledge of the movies you're talking about. For example, Star Wars. Good luck to you. Expand his mind. Well, I think we did a great job of that. Right. By the time he gets to this, he'll have learned that Daniel is no longer on the show. Yeah, so hopefully it still maintains that mystique for him. So we had him at the first one. So yeah, I mean, look. So he says, so much great cinema out there. So could I please ask a favor? Could you do on your show his all-time favorite... Night of the Comet. Sure. Thanks. Keep posting. Love the show. Now, actually, uh, what was his name? And also, he was looking for Caveman's podcast. Caveman was a, uh, I was about to say a character. (laughs) (laughs) He is a a character. (laughs) He was a character on our uh, Star Wars episode, um, and he plugged, at the time, Triple Dragon Punch, which was his podcast, which had great, had a great intro, which I stole for another show that I had to do an (laughs) intro for. Um they only did a couple episodes. They only did they a just, couple episodes. Yeah, I listened to them, but I guess they didn't really have a theme. Yeah, they just talked about stuff, which is fine. If you know, if you enjoy doing that, but and it's yeah, hard. I mean, stopped. podcasting is not easy. No, I mean, especially when you're. I mean, look, it's easier than digging ditches. I ain't saying that, but I mean, you know, <laughs> people nowadays in the modern world, just me and Jesse getting together. Someone's, oh shit, I forgot, I forgot to do this, or Jesse had to go do something, or he's backed up at work. I got held up at work. Yeah, you know, and sometimes it's it's not easy. It's fun to do. Everybody should go out there and do it. Yeah. It's fun to talk, and you know, occasionally, people like you like like to listen to it and hear the bullshit I like to spew sometimes. But Which to is, get to episode two hundred is no easy <laughs> task. Yeah, especially when, if you're doing. All of them with a similar format, quality, everything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I mean, we think. I mean, of course, we haven't done movies in every single one, but I mean, that's a lot yes. of time. Yes, it is spent talking. If it's an average of an hour, which they aren't, I don't know. Somewhere, I, in there, I think that's, that's a good average. Because I, mean, I mean, like last week was an hour or two weeks ago, hour eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, it all depends on what tangents we get. Right, <laughs> we get right. drug into. Yeah, it can go long. So yeah, average hour. That's two hundred hours of content. He's going to be uh, listening for a while. Well, if he's working eight hours a day, ten hours a day, something like that, yeah, he'll, he'll be caught up in maybe a month or so. Yeah. It doesn't take long. Like, uh, like, like if you, I know other podcasts that 
like there's a horror podcast I'll re-listen to. I'll listen to some episodes in October just because they talk about horror movies. Like, oh, this one I've never seen or I forgot to find it and watch it, blah, blah, blah. And like like 30 episodes in a week I went through. Yeah. Just because, you know, if it's playing, that's just time passing as you're listening. So what was his name again? I'm sorry. His name, I just clicked off. Of it. <laughs> Sorry. Facebook Messenger person. Uh, Mike Borchers. Yeah, that's from memory. So let's hope that's correct. Yeah. Mike. Mike checked it out. That's Mike Robert Chilling. Farting Mike Preacher reference. But, uh, anyway, thanks, Mike. We appreciate it. Uh, it's all uphill from there, <laughs> especially in terms of audio quality. If you, could, if you can get through the Star Wars episodes where we had like eight people in the room. Yeah, that was right at the beginning whenever our equipment was not up to par. I had not yet gotten the stuff i have now um i think we were limited on mics as well so yeah, like people in the back of the room wouldn't couldn't get, hear couldn't get close or yeah. whatever so i mean so we just want to have i mean because that was as you listened that was the day we introduced daniel to star wars so we, it was a huge event in our circle of friends yeah, yeah. daniel's wife or, or i get i guess they were married at the time i don't remember well you're oh yeah they were married because i went back and watched his proposal video that was in 09 so, and we did that episode in 2011. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and that was at your house in Port Allen, too, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, his wife, Andrea, made some amazing snacks, and they were all Star Wars-themed. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was fantastic. But the audio quality was sufferable at that, and actually, that's why I have a three-star review, because of the audio quality on that episode. And I, <laughs> I wish that gentleman would, you know. Revise it. Or revise it, or just like, hey, good job cleaning it up. Just to know that, you know, hey, you, you stuck through it. <laughs> but uh, regardless, Mike, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And in fact, this year when I was coming up with uh, the Halloween horror list, I had a comment. I was trying to like, oh, maybe I can find like a whole bunch of night of uh, movies that we haven't done. Like there was or time frame, like Night of the Comet, Day of the Dead. Uh, I was trying to find a theme in that, but I didn't have enough, and I had had creature features already on the brain from last year. Uh, and so you're did Night one. of the Creeps. Yeah, which would have, that would have been another night one. And Night of the Demons. I haven't done that. That was because it was Night of the Demons, Night of the uh, Night of the Comet, uh, Day of the Dead, and I was looking for. I think I was looking for one more, but I couldn't find. I think for my search, I didn't. Like I said, my heart was already set on creature features anyway. Yeah, I was so, gonna say there's not much. <laughs> night of the Werewolf. Never even seen that one. Night of the Juggler. That's 1980. <laughs> oh my God! Do you hear that? <laughs> it's <laughs> <Yeah>. the Juggler. <laughs> Such precision. I'm sure there's something out there. But Jesse, I have to spoil this because I forgot to tell you earlier. <sighs> but for the next part, when I say what the next episode is, I need you to play Robert Palmer's uh, Bad Case of Loving You. Okay. Jesse, okay, starting now. Here's the bit for the end of the episode. You know, I could cut this part out and then just start the If music. you want to, it's up okay. to you. Or you can leave it because it's up to you. But anyway, uh, that's it for 1986. It, it was, in fact, a... Fantastic year for 80s cinema. Let us know what you think. 80s visited at gmail.com <laughs> at 80s visited on Twitter. Again, if enough tweets come, I'll have to become a Twitterite, whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, and at Awesome Pods on Facebook, all that fun stuff. Let us know your thoughts or anything we left out. Uh, and don't forget our, our friends with uh, Now vs. Nostalgia, John and James in Lafayette, Louisiana, and all the way across the world in Tomorrow World. Ben Wyatt, the Tasmanian Devil, with the Asia Mania podcast. Uh, me and Ben were talking the other day. Hopefully, he's going to get out here around twenty eight nineteen. So, oh yeah, he posted a little teaser of his body today. <laughs> Did you see that? 
Wait, with the leather pants or something? Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't ask out. questions. <laughs> I just kept scrolling. Well, I mean, I understood. He said it was hot. So, yeah, leather you know, pants don't breathe. That's that's how it happens around here, too. <laughs> you would die. Do not oh, bring yeah. your leather pants when you come to Louisiana. Some parts would be fine, but some parts of the United States would be fine. No part of Louisiana is good for leather. But anyway, okay, here, here's where you would play the song, Jesse. <clears throat> I don't feel so good. I got a fever. Oh, God. I think I could, I'm coming down with a case of sequelitis. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Next week. And starting next week, we're going to be doing part twos of films that we've covered on the podcast. Oh, snap. So I'm not sure which one yet, because I haven't made the image. And you've done so many already. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, uh, it'll be a, I'm not, we'll do two or three at a time, because I was looking, I just want to do part twos for this initial sequelitis thing, because uh, there's a lot of them that we've done, films that we've done that have sequels that we haven't done, aside outside of the horror genre with... Uh, obviously, numerous Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Streets. Uh, there's a couple of them that I want to get done, and that give us a good theme for the next couple weeks, leading into Christmas, because i got to pick out some Christmas movies, too. So, that's it. So, until <laughs> next time, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Cowabunga!